here this morning. Thank you for being a part of worship today. And I look forward to beginning 2019 with you here in worship and in church together as we get to seek out Jesus and His plan, His purpose for us this year. We're going to begin a new series today, God Our Help. Um, We're going to take God our help, the God who promises to be with us. We're going to be looking at the names of God and see how through that promise of His name that God says, I am here to meet your deepest need. No matter what it is you face, I am God. Today we're going to look at Jehovah Shammah. Um, Isaiah, I mean, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 48, 35 says, All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. That is a Hebrew name that God gave to himself, Jehovah Shammah. He says, I will be there. I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. No matter what you face, no matter what happens, no matter what's your past, your present, your future, he says, I am your God and I will be in your life. That leads us to a question. Is there hope? Really, that's one of the fundamental questions of life. Is life worth living? Is there hope? Can I count on anybody or anything in life? Is there hope? It's asked every day by thousands of people in a thousand different ways. When you're standing at the bedside at the hospital and you hear a diagnosis, people want to know, is there hope? When you're standing in front of a lawyer or a bankruptcy court or facing financial difficulties, people ask the question, is there hope? When couples have gone through years of discouragement and relationship struggles, and they've been to counselors, they've read the books, they've done this, and they've asked the questions about relationship and their marriage. They ask the question, is there hope? Are we going to make it? When you hear about horrible tragedies taking place, when you hear about government shutdowns and political upheaval, people ask the question, is there hope? Hope is the essential of life. When hope is gone, life is very, very difficult. Jehovah Shammah says, I will be there. I will be with you. Dr. Harold Wolf, after an extensive study through the Cornell University, made this statement. When a man has hope, he's capable of bearing incredible burdens and cruel punishment. But when hope is gone, people fall apart emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Today we begin this series, God Our Help. God who wants to step into our deepest needs, who wants to be there for us, who wants to answer that question for us when we say, is there hope? He wants to give a resounding, yes, there's hope because I am. Trust me, live with me, seek me, I am there. You see, when hope is in short supply, People fall for all kinds of scams. They actually put their hope in false hope because they're so desperately looking for hope. They go to psychic hotlines. They go to false teachers. They look for fake healers. They look for crazy things. They look in substance. They look in relationships. They look in possessions. They look anywhere. 
for anything that will say you have worth and there is hope in your life. You see, that is absolutely the trick of Satan. Satan wants to step into your life where you are, offer something that appears to be hope, get you to buy it, then pull the rug out from under you, you begin a free fall without hope. And all the while God says, I am there. I told you today we're going to look at Jehovah Shema from Ezekiel 48:35. But you know God actually and through our sermon buffer we saw just a moment ago God throughout scripture gave himself different names. For example, he gave himself the name El Shaddai, the all-powerful God. Jehovah Roi, the God who shepherds you. El Simkath Gilai, the God of joy. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Jehovah Makedesh, the God who sanctifies. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the God who defends. And he gave himself Abba, our loving Father. At that end of Ezekiel, Jesus, God says to us, I am Jehovah Shema. I am the one who is always there. You see, there's no place that you will go that God is absent. God has been in your past. God is in your present. God will be in your future. And he says, you can turn to me when false hope glitters, when everything says, grab me, hold on to me. God says, no, look at me. I am here. I am with you. You see, there are profound implications on where you find hope when you understand that God is back there and God is here and God will be there because he says I'm an anchor in fact in the New Testament with Jesus trying to help us to understand this concept he said build your home on the solid rock because when the storms of life come and the wind blows and the, the shifting sands happen he says you want to be held by the rock on the foundation that's solid that does not move and I want to tell you right at this moment we are living in times that where information changes rapidly situations become more profoundly horrible and God says I am the anchor I am the hope I am the rock in fact you cannot go as we said you cannot go to a place where God is not in your life in fact in the book of Psalm 139 take your Bibles turn with me there Psalm 139, verse 7. David is writing about how well God knows him and how close to him God is. And in Psalm 139, verse 7 down to verse 14, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven... You are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All throughout scripture, whether you take the Old Testament, whether you take the New Testament, 
it declares to us that God is with us, that God is present, that God offers hope to us as his followers. God is always there. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The longer I live, the more I realize how much my life is out of control and what I mean, out of my control, and what I mean, sometimes it's just out of control. But what I mean by that is simply this. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what will happen in a week. I don't know what's going to happen in the lives of people. And when I get there, I can lose hope because I feel like it is spinning out of control and I can't contain it. And at that moment that I seek to contain it, that's when I begin to try to take control. And the scripture has told us repeated times, let God control your life. Let God control your mind. Let God control your attitude. Let God control your emotions. He says, I will uphold you. He said, I upheld you back there. I'm upholding you right now. I will uphold you out there. God is with us. God is in your life. God is interested in your life. God wants to be a part of your life. You know, there are a lot of uncertainties of life. One of the things that seems to be a certainty is that people leave, people come, people go, people pass away. Friends and family might move away, relationships sour, loved ones die. Physically they leave us, emotionally people leave us. And we are looking for affirmation. We are looking for somebody to say, you're okay. You got this. And if people are going to leave and we put our hope in people, every time we put our hope in a person and the person leaves us physically, the person leaves us emotionally, we have to begin the conversation again, am I okay? And God says, don't look for the affirmation in humanity. Don't look in affirmation in the things that pass away. Don't look for affirmation in the storms. He says, look for affirmation in me. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit my inward parts. Think about crocheting. Literally, that's what God did. He crocheted you together. He is the anchor. He is the rock. And when I take my earthly relationship to God and let God take me to my human relationships, then my relationships on earth can have certainty whether it's there or going because God is the anchor. Now listen to me, whether you're seeking a spouse, trying to be a parent, trying to fit in in a job, all of those kind of things, no matter the relationship, the truth comes from the fact that God is. I go to God, and from God I go to people. If I go to people and then I try to go to God and the people let me down, then the chain, the link is broken, and I'm sitting here wondering what's next, what's wrong with me, What's wrong with them? You see, I can, when we go from us to God and from God to people, we can take risk in loving. We can step out of our comfort zone and love people. We can step out of our culture and love people. We can step out of our education bracket, our socioeconomic bracket, whatever you want to say, when we go to God first because he's immovable, no matter what happens on earth, God is faithful. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to step beyond who we are as Mount Zion Baptist Church, if we're going to continue to be a people that reach people, we're going to have to look and say, God, you are with me. God, I trust you. The certainty of life is God does not leave you. That gives me hope that no matter what else goes on, the stock market can lose a thousand points tomorrow and God is certain. Relationships can fall apart tomorrow. God is certain. We can trust God. But you see, it's not just that God is with us, which is an amazing and wonderful promise. But here's the truth. God is not only with you, but God watches over you. Go back to the scripture with me for just a moment. In Psalm 32, 8, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. In your outline there, you should circle, instruct, and teach. Because you see, if God is going to not only be with you, but God is going to watch over you, God is going to have to be actively present, physically present, and actively involved. And he says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you'll search me, you'll know me. He said, I want to give you a purpose. I want to give you a plan. And if you will go from me, from you, to me, he says, then I will show you the what and the how. Again, when we lose hope, when we lose the certainty of God being the supreme, loving, amazing God that wants us in his life and he wants to be in our life and he wants to give us meaning, when it gets, when we lose hope, we begin to look for answers all around us. And you know what I'm talking about. We begin to look for identity in what we own, what we wear, what we have, who we know, what we know. Where we've been, where we're going. Who follows us on social media. Who likes the post that I put there. And you could go on and on and on and on. But God says, I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will give you significance in life if you will make me the significant thing that you seek after. You say, but you don't know where I am. You don't know who, I, who I've been around and you don't know what's happened to me. But I do know this. From more than one testimony this week, I have had people tell me I was here. God communicated to me that he loved me. And now he has put my life in a place of purpose. Yesterday, we had the funeral service for Miss Gertie. James is back there. We're praying for you. Miss Gertie was born in Riverdale. I don't think she ever lived anywhere more than 10 miles or 20 miles in from where she was born. But one of the coolest testimonies of her life was she would sit in this church and in these buildings and she would say, would you pray for my husband? Would you pray for him to come to know Christ? Would you pray for him to be born again? I want to know that when I die, we're going to be in eternity, together in eternity. And I remember the day that Stan Scott called me and said, I shared the gospel with James today, and he said yes. I remember the day he was baptized. I remember the day that Gertie shouted hallelujah. 
You see, life has meaning. We begin to try to define purpose. We begin to try to define significance. God says, seek me. I will give you purpose. I will give you significance. He says, I am with you. And not only am I with you just sitting in the car going down the road, he says, but literally, I'm your GPS for life. I tell you to turn here. I tell you to go there. If you're seeking me when you get off the track, he said, I will call, I'll call out to you what? Recalculating. Make a U-turn. Go back. God says, I am with you. God, I am, I am your help. I am your hope. God is always there. He is with me. He is watching over me. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this. Because of the Lord's great love. You could put the word mercy there. Many translations do. And we know that mercy means not getting what I deserve. I deserve one thing, but because of God's great love, because of God's great mercy, he says, because of God's great mercy, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In other words, this is what God is saying to us. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you could be that could ever stop me from loving you. He says, because my mercy is so great, you get a new chance every day that you're alive. Now, here's the misinterpretation of that. His great mercy that's new every morning is not a free pass to, from yesterday. Because God's great love and mercy is so great, he says, my mercy is you are not consumed. I'm giving you another day to wake up and repent and say, God, I have done it my way yesterday. I blew it. God, I've been living my direction. I've been defining my purpose. And his great mercy lets you wake up and say, God, today I choose you. Today I step away. Today I repent. Today I hear the voice that says, make the U-turn. Now I want to tell you something. This is an honest, true confession moment. I have lived in the misinterpretation of that verse in my lifetime. I have lived in it where I would say, oh, yesterday's gone. God didn't kill me. I'm just going to pick up where I left off. But here's the truth. The mercy is not the free pass. The mercy is the opportunity to turn your eyes back to Jesus, confess, and to say, Lord, today I choose you. Lord, today I choose your way. God watches over us. God says, I'm going to let my compassion rule here. I'm going to let my compassion override my holiness for this moment. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to come back. His mercy is new. His mercy is new to let us and to give us the opportunity to repent. You see, God our help. Jehovah Shammah, the one that is always there, the one that is our hope in life, is not, always, not only always with us, but he's always working in me. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans. I'm going to use two passages that we use here all the time that are so familiar. 
it would be tempting to say, oh, I know that. I know everything he's already said about that. I don't want to, I don't have to listen now. This is for everybody else. But let's just see what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And then I think it's so significant that we want to break it down, not only to what it does say, but to what it does not say. So Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Again, I told you, let's look at what it says, but let's also look at what it does not say. It does not say all things work out the way I want them to. We would like that. I would like that. In fact, there's so many times in my life that I want things to work out the way I want them to that I began to maneuver the circumstances just to, so it'll happen and then I can say, hey, look what God did. And that's easy to do because he didn't stop it, so therefore he must have blessed it. No, God gives us a free choice. God gives us a free will. God gives us ability. And we can make good things happen that are, not a, that are not a part of God's perfect plan. The scripture says, for God causes all things. It does not say all things have a happy ending. It does say we know. Now, when we hear the words we know in God, you can bank on that. It is fail-proof. It means it's going to happen every time, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the generation, regardless of the situation, no matter what's happening, God says, I will do it. You can know it. When God says you can know it, you can go put all your investment in that. He says, we know. We can be confident of everything that comes after this. You see, hope is the certainty that I can trust regardless of how it turns out. God did not say everything would have a happy ending. God did not say everything would work out the way we want it to. Therefore, if he did not say that, then the implication is that there will be things that happen that don't work out the way we want them to. There will be things that happen in our lives that don't have a happy ending. But because we know that God is good and all the time God is good, by the way, he is and God is loving me all the time, no matter what. We know that God is causing these things to work together for good. Now, keep with me because we're not quite there yet. It's easy to stop there and create a false doctrine. It does, not, it does say we know. We know that hope is the certainty that I can trust regardless. It does say God causes that means he's the master designer of the universe. That means that there's not a moment that he's out of control. He is always in control. Even when the worst tragedy happens in the universe, we can know that God has not left his throne, God has not forsaken humanity, and he has a plan. All right? We know that. It says God causes all things to work together for the good. Now, if God causes, the backside implication of that is you're wasting your time when you read your horoscope. 
okay? Your horoscope is a blanket statement that you can apply to your life in many different circumstances, and you'll go, oh, it's kind of like your fortune cookie. Don't build your life on Chinese food, even though I like it a lot. There's no such thing as fate. There's no such thing as good luck, bad luck. God says, I'm working. God causes. We look at things and say, oh, what a coincidence. The better question is, God, what are you doing now? How do I respond to this? It does say God causes all things to work together for good. It does not say all things are good. It does not say God causes all things. When you think about that idea of all things are good, let's bake a cake. Bake a cake with me for just a moment from scratch. Let's see, what do we need? We need flour, eggs, sugar, cooking oil, lard, Crisco, whatever you call it. You need um, all those things. If you take any one of those things other than the sugar and you try it by itself, you're going to go, it's not, sorry, fam. (laughs) There's tissues right there. Uh, um, None of those things alone are good. But when you whip them together and bake them, it is good. God says, your life is going to have some flour. Your life is going to have some Crisco. Your life is going to have some raw eggs in it. But if you will allow me to stir it all together, if you will allow me to bake it done, he says, I will use it for good in your life. I will use it for your good. I will use it for my glory. Now, but let's don't stop there. Because if we keep on, it says, the qualifier for those who love God he said God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose God says I want to work in your life he said I want to take the worst moment of your life and I want you to give it to me and I want you to allow me to stir it into the batter I want to bake it till it's done and I want to use it to make you into the man the woman the boy the girl that I have created you to be I want to use you for my glory I want you to be able to take your story and tie it to my story and I want you to be able to stand up and say here I was but God stepped into my life God used my dumbest decision God used my greatest tragedy God used the most hurtful thing that's ever happened to me and he transformed me into the man or the woman that he wanted to be and now I can stand with confidence because of God That's the story. You see, the story is his story. His story is history. And he says, I've done this throughout creation. God says, my plan is good. You just don't see it. You need to trust me. You need to have hope because it's a plan that gives you future and a hope. Does that remind you of a Bible verse? Jeremiah 29, 11, the other very familiar Bible verse where it says, I know the plans I have for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope. I will give you a good future. 
Have you ever lived in life where you just felt like you couldn't raise your head because of shame? You couldn't raise your head because of hurt? You couldn't raise your head because of who somebody else was or what they did to you? And then God steps into your life. And I love it. It says, he is the lifter of my head. He takes away the shame. The doubt. The insecurity. And you say, well, how did I become self-confident? How did I become secure? Here's the amazing thing. It's the vicarious life of Christ. It is his life through you. It's not your security. It's not your self-confidence. It's not your honor. It's his honor radiating out of you. And he says that I have overcome the world. Greater is he that's in you than the one that is in the world. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God finishes what he starts. Can you thank him this morning for finishing what he started in you? Yes, we should. We should often start our our prayer time, our praise time with just, you're finishing, you're working. I'm not where I'm going to be, I'm not where I was, but your mercy is giving me a chance today to cry out, God forgive me. And help me move forward. You hear people all the time say, you know what, I took three, every time I take three steps forward, what? I take two steps backwards. Do the math. You're still one step further than you were. Right? So you are making progress. God is working in you. Let him do his good work. So the scripture teaches us when we talk about Jehovah Shammah, the God of hope, the God who is always there, he is with us, he watches over us, he is working in us, but not only that, he has prepared a place for me. You see, sometimes you just have to think, you reach situations, you reach moments, and you say, it may not get better, but I have this future hope. God has prepared a place for me. God is a place that I'm going to. And we look forward to heaven. Truth. There was a day that I would hear somebody say, Woo, you get to go to heaven. And I'd be like, Woo, shut up. I don't want to die. I don't see anything that's really all that cool about thinking about not being here, doing what I love to do when I love to do it, and all of those things. But the closer you walk with Jesus, the more you get to know him, the sweeter it becomes to think that there is a day that the struggles of this life are not, and the wonder of heaven is. When you hear about little children, when you hear about tragedies, when you just get tired of disagreements and everything that's going on around us, and you look and say, God, I'm holding on because I know that that day is coming that I don't have to battle that. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. Another very familiar passage, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Go to John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yes, go to John chapter 14. 
And let's go back and understand this passage. This passage is coming on the backside of Jesus telling his disciples, Hey dudes, we've been hanging out and it's been good. We've been around the countryside. We've seen some dead people come back to life. We've seen some people who could not talk speak. Some people who could not see see. We've seen water turn into wine. And we've seen a lot of things. And it's been cool. And I know you would like for it to keep happening this way. But remember, I have a greater purpose. I've told you about it all along. You may not have wanted to hear it, but I have a greater purpose. I didn't come to walk around the countryside and be a rock star. I came on a mission that was going to lead me to the cross at Calvary. It was going to take my life, but it wasn't really going to take my life because I was going to freely give my life and I'm freely giving my life for you and everybody that has been born everybody that is being born and everybody that will be born he said and for this to happen I got to go away I got to die they were not happy they were asking the question what's next why now what are you doing and I'm sure internally they were asking the question is he a fake is he a fraud but Jesus just simply looked at him and said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place. In your Bible, circle a place. It's not nirvana. It's not a spiritual floating somewhere. It is a literal place that is prepared for you that God says, one day I will come and get you. And Thomas said, I don't know that place. How do I get to that place? And Jesus, with all patience, just simply said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You see, for the truth of Romans 8.28 to play out in your life, for the truth of God being with you and God watching over you to be a functional part of your being, it hinges on that you understand that Jesus the Messiah is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by Him. Doesn't come by clever. It doesn't come by manipulation. It doesn't come by status, birthright, or who you know, or where you've been, or how many times you can check the box and say, I went to church. It only comes by a personal relationship with God through His Son, with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Do not let the familiarity of that under, and understanding of that cause you to skip over it and say, oh yeah. Because there's a whole lot of oh yes that will go to hell one day. In fact, Jesus said it this way. Many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, I've done this in your name and I've done that in your name and I've done something else in your name. And he's going to say, get away from me, depart from me, for I never knew you. Can I tell you, I think that's one of the greatest reasons in your life to go back and revisit your salvation as long as you have breath in you. To go back and remember the day that you know that you know that you know you surrendered your life to God through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you said, God, I'm tired of being the Lord of my life. I'm tired of, DeAndre, we had this conversation just last week when you said, I want to start 2019 on the right foot. Which, by the way, next year I'm going to take a picture at like 12 o'clock right on the nose. With my left foot in there so I can start on the right foot. But listen to me, as stupid as that sounds, 
There are people that believe their hope is starting life on the right foot. Your right foot is as bad as your left foot. And the only thing that is your good foot is Jesus. You got to hear me. And Jesus, when he was looking at his weeping disciples who were troubled, he said, I'm the way. You don't go to the Father but by me. Revisit that every day. Ask yourself the question, have I come to God my way or have I decided to come to God his way? Is it my terms or his terms? And don't let tradition or pride keep you from there. So what are the takeaways for today, from today? We can have hope because God gives us his presence. He is with us and he watches over us. We can have hope because God is working in us. He has a plan that leads us to his purpose. Whether our circumstances are good, bad, or ugly, God is ready and able to work when we turn our love and attention towards him. We can have hope because this world is not our home. God has a perfect place prepared and has promised to deliver us there safely. There's no porch pirate that can steal that gift. It is secure on the word and the character and the promise of God. You can have hope no matter what you face. Today, Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who hope in the Lord. Who do you need to hope in? Those who hope in will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. No situation in your life is hopeless when your hope is in Christ. Let's pray. absolutely believe that God brought some of you here today so he could say to you don't give up don't do it don't give in to discouragement don't give in to despair don't give up look up don't despair turn to prayer don't give up don't give out keep on keeping on give it over give it over to God and, and father because you brought us here to hear that message Lord, regardless of our circumstances in our lives, whether they be hopeless or helpless, discouraged or depressed, God, we thank you for bringing us here today. Jesus, we know that you love us. And I pray that in this moment that we will turn our lives over to you so that you can begin enabling us to live this new life this life of hope this life of surrender this life of, of not looking backwards but pressing on 
Why don't you pray just right now? God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. Now, would it be something like this? Dear God, you know exactly how I've been feeling. God, you know exactly how I've been thinking. You know exactly how I've been behaving. You've seen the confusion, the sadness, the hurt, the anger, the depression. God, you know it all, and today I want to turn it over to you. God, I have put my hope in a lot of places, but today, Father, I put my hope in you. I take my eyes off of recognition. I take my eyes off of resources. God, help me be more aware that you are always with me, that you're always watching over me. So today, Jesus, as much as as I know how, I open my life to you. I want to build a relationship with you that so that when I die, I can be with you. And we thank you that you are Jehovah Shammah and that you're always safe. In this part of our service, we, we sing a closing song. It's really a song of invite. It's an invite for us to respond to what God has said to us in the singing, in the baptism, in the giving, in the preaching of the word. It's our chance to respond and say, here I am, Lord. I open it up to you. Some will need to open it up like the prodigal son and say, I'm going back. Some will need to to open it up like Zacchaeus and say, I want to follow you today, Lord. Regardless, and don't miss the opportunity of 2019 to say, here I am, Lord. I'm available. I'm open. Use me. We're going to be standing here across the front ready to pray with you, to have conversation with you. The the altar will be open. The steps here at the front are open for you to come and pray and declare that 2019, God, I will seek you. So, fathers, we have, we receive this invite as we RSVP to you. Lord, we ask you to work in our lives and reveal the decision we need to make today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's sing. You come. And all my hope is in Jesus. If they got my yesterday's gone.
That's why I see. 